0: Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast. I'm Malian, Sports, editor of The Independent, and I am joined uh, by a, a full house today, a full house of stars. Let's start with uh, the Prince of Wales, Jack Pitbrook, back from his uh, back-to-back trip was it Newport Spurs and Cardiff versus Manchester City. That's right. And it was an enjoyable trip to Wales? Yeah, it was brilliant. The weather was fantastic? Uh, it rained all the time. It rained all the time. That's <laughs> pretty much your trip to Wales a few weeks ago, Miguel.
1: Yep. Oh, uh, that, that rained horizontally. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Miguel Delaney, if you hadn't guessed, uh, obviously is uh, our chief sport, uh, our chief football writer. Yeah. Miguel, what game were you at this week? Oh, I was at Yeovil Man United. Yeovil Man United, the thriller. Alexis Sanchez debut. Yeah. Got kicked around a bit. Got kicked around a bit. Yeah. Oh, uh, a bit of a theme this weekend, uh, which we'll be getting on to shortly. And uh, Johnny Lou is back in the house. Johnny. Hi. And what game were you at this week? I was at Chelsea three,
2: Newcastle nil. Uh,
0: a thriller. Not really. It was fine. It was fine. Just a. It was fine. Just a game. It was football. Football's good. I the, like football. Uh, I mean, is it fair to say that they are the worst <coughs> FA cup ties? The ones between kind of Premier League t- clubs and Premier League clubs. Potentially, they're good, but uh, it's it's so undifferent different
2: from yeah. not a Word, but it's uh, so on uh, from what you see
1: every week. Wenger made the point recently that actually it can be a harder game to play champ- well before you got knocked out by Forrest <laughs> that, that, that it can be harder to play championship side than a kind of a, l- a lower half Premier League side because the championship side will be actually more up for it and whereas the lower half Premier League team will kind of like just do what Newcastle did yesterday.
2: Yeah, I mean, it? It, it, that's even kind of spreading down to the championship yeah. now, this this sort of, you know, we, we, we'll sack it off and, and concentrate on the league. But but yeah, that's... that's L- r-
1: Let's not get into a, a merit of the FA Cup. No, no no, 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 no. Uh, but I,
0: I, <laughs> I did watch, a, I caught a bit of Newport Spurs, which I thought was very interesting. Obviously, Newport doing very well against a, a Champions League side. Caught a bit of uh, Cardiff's kicking of Manchester City yesterday, which brings me on, uh, coupled with a couple of other things, uh, to the big debate of the weekend, Miguel. If you'd like to stand up for us, um, Jack is going to spit in your face. <laughs> I'm going to break your leg into a couple oh, of pieces, and Johnny's going to racially abuse right, you. Okay. And, and you have to tell us which is the worst, <laughs> because apparently, apparently, there is some sort of debate over spitting could be worse than than any of the other mm. two in that scenario.
1: Um, I to if, if if Johnny racially abused me, it would, <laughs> it would hurt, and I'd I'd think less of Johnny. But ultimately, it's just a word.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sticks and stones.
1: Um, and,
0: uh. If Jack shattered your leg, a tib g- gone, uh, fibula gone. <laughs> wouldn't really like that to be honest. No, so that would be worse than no, spitting. No. But you could just wipe that off your face. Um You wouldn't even need to go home and, and change your clothes. Like if a if a
2: bird crapped on you, you'd have to go and, you know, wash wash yourself and you mm.
0: depends what colour were wearing.
1: No, I, I, I wouldn't, I'd I, I would, put a jumper over the don't, don't top. that would sicken me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have to go home and clean. Have you ever, has that ever happened to you, by the way? Yeah, it's happened to me, yeah. We're already
0: hugely off, uh, off, <laughs> to, off target here. What, the bird? <laughs> or the, or the,
1: you, you've been spat on? No, we're no. no, shat on, but oh, right. I, mean, I, I, I Yeah, you okay. can say that, yeah. that's fine. Right. We're all adults here. I get yeah.
0: People get prissy about swearing. It's like, come on, no, we're, we're all adults. Out. I remember I being seven years old and hearing the C-word for the first time. It's like, okay, I've heard everything now. Yeah. What are you going to do? That was a state school. Uh, So, anyway, (laughs) welcome to the Indie Football (laughs) Podcast, (laughs) and um, I'm pretty sure you're all aware it's the final few days of the transfer window, lots to talk about, Wednesday deadline day. Um, A lot of the big deals, I mean, the biggest deal that we expect to happen now is going to be Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, unless Mm. something huge comes out the woodwork, Miguel, which we don't think it's going to happen? No, I don't think That'll so. I mean, was,
1: there's was, there been a few murmurs about Vidal, and i had still, still not sure about that. But,
0: but £60 million for Aubameyang. Uh, I think we've previously discussed that his merits and, and whether it's worth it, personally, for me, I think, at his age, probably too much money. Um, but we're having an interesting debate just before we came in here about uh, kind of the backup striker thing. How do you view this going down? With, uh, Giroud is going to leave, we think, uh, Edin Dzeko
1: might become a Chelsea yeah. might not become a Chelsea. Well, it's actually it seems everyone in the bottom half wants a striker and usually the strikers that the bottom half team would want are essentially the sort of profile that a top team would want for a second striker. Uh, and so it seems like everyone wants a similar sort of player but they're actually at a premium and it's difficult particularly for the top 6 I'd say to find a player good enough to, in that position specifically because it doesn't change too much given players like Kane and that and how they attack. Someone who's good enough to step in and immediately adapt, but also willing to accept that reduced role.
0: You know what usually we get at this time as well? Mm. It's it's just before the tournaments, isn't it? So it's like so-and-so, like player X, wants Mm. to get regular football in time to get into Mm. the Belgium squad or whatever. I feel like players care less about that. You're more likely to get into the Belgium squad if you're a backup at Chelsea, for example why yeah than you are if you were playing every week for Swansea yeah, Is that yeah. fair to say yeah, well,
2: it, it depends i mean I think it depends on whether you can stay in form. and I think it, a, a backup striker who's not playing it's it's quite a lot different to if you're say a midfielder who, who, who comes on every so often because they just touch the ball so much less they get so much less time to to make an impression and they're kind of judged on on the impact they make as, as opposed to you know if if you're a, if you're say a backup keeper and you've had a, a quiet game, that's a good game. If you're a backup striker and you've had a, a quiet game, that, that's a bad game. You're kind of expected to do something, fairly or not. Yeah, but by that by that
3: thinking, a backup striker can be an important part of the squad only playing 20 minutes a week in a way that a midfielder who only plays 20 minutes a week could never be. Mm. Right. Yeah. Because that, that was the
2: genius of, of players like Solskjaer and, and, I guess, Dzeko as well at, at City, that they could actually come straight off the bench and make an impact.
1: Well, there was always that thing about Solskjaer, apparently, I've said about him, he was very good at... Well, it was actually said before he became a not very successful manager. <laughs> that, um, it was said that he would become a successful manager. <laughs> they used to kind of sit on the bench and he would, you know, he would get this image of the game in his head. knew So it, it meant he the way he analysed the game from the bench meant he, knew, he immediately knew how to step in and basically kind of uh, could easily get out the rhythm of the, the game straight away and score so many important goals from the bench. Well,
0: there's some, gr- I mean, you, you'll know this uh, better than most, some grounds that you're at when you watch, uh, you can see the substitutes, you can see the bench mm. and you watch and some of them, you know, are paying close attention to the game yeah. and others who are completely away with the fairies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, even um, it was, was it Ross Barkley on his debut for Chelsea?
2: Didn't even realise he was, you didn't even realise on. he
0: was being asked to come on, you know, so and I appreciate that's the first half, that's so a little bit different, but if you're taking your role seriously then you have to be surely like you know you're looking at the field. if you're going to be coming on oh i think i might come on on the left of a front three you want to be watching the opposition right back you want to be watching to see if he's getting any help from the defensive midfielder or if he's getting bracket coverage from the the winger coming back i think there's a surprising amount of players who literally just don't do it yeah, and it's yeah. also the same when you talk to players i guess and you and you find out if they actually watch football on their days off uh, you know there are guys who did, do did, not did, watch for and there are guys who watch football every single night. Didn't Bale come out with you today? I, I don't watch much football, I'd rather watch the golf. Yeah, well, I mean, mm. he plays a lot of golf and a lot of FIFA. That's mm. kind of what he does in his spare time. Uh, but I suppose if you played for Real Madrid, you know, do you need to watch that much of mm. Leganez or Hitafe? You know, I feel like they- On her, right? No, yeah. I, no I, 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 it, it, I mean, to, if t- I was a player, I obviously would do it 100% mm. because people like, you know, you've seen me play football, you need to maximize your ability, so like that every th- every little bit's going to help yeah. you. But when you've always been that good, I think it just it never occurs to you. It's like I am this well, well, good. But
1: then it doesn't. Does Ronaldo watch a lot of football and try to take little bits? And like that, that almost feeds into if you are a Real Madrid player and you want to reach the absolute top, that you kind of you actually survey the game, see what's happening in the game, see what changes are, you think that little as little things you can take.
0: Benoit uh, Asuokoto was a classic one, right, when he was at Spurs, because they, well, Harry Redknapp said that he'd come up and, you know, he'd read all the scouting notes. Mm. He'd do his actual job. But he couldn't tell you the name on the back of the shirt, the winger he's mm. up against. And it might, be, so it could be Cristiano Ronaldo or it could be Wayne Routledge. Like for him, they're all the same. It's just a player that I'm up against. There's something to be said for that as well. I mean, the the other end of the, of the scale is uh, is
2: somebody who's so kind of amped up for the game, that I mean, I remember watching you know, Vincent Janssen last mm. season, and he would just be so—he would, he would be studying the game. He'd be alert. He'd be abs- he would be shadow playing the game, and then he'd come on, and he'd run in and bow <coughs> somebody within within like, thirty-five
1: seconds. Uh, he uh, he actually, and the thing was, when Spurs first signed him, uh, there was a lot of talk he doesn't really fit their play, but he did seem almost a logical second choice striker because I suppose, you know, if it's one all, the eighty-third minute, he's a big man, launch it to him. Yeah, I think,
3: um, I think Vincent Janssen actually illustrates one of the important things here when it comes to backup strikers, which is that he's clearly a player. I mean, clearly he was rubbish for Spurs last year, but I think he was rubbish in part because of the job he was being asked to do, mm. which was only playing like one starting one game every four or five in a lesser competition or playing 20 minutes at the end. And he can never get that rhythm required to be good yeah, and that's the problem mm. really with backup strikers is you, you need someone who you can only play for 20 minutes at a time mm. but who will come in and play at the same level as if he'd been playing every week
1: well yeah that's and, and there are certain players that basically just they probably need a run of three or four games actually they need regular football to actually find any sort of rhythm and yeah. then obviously other players who just can can immediately step in no Is matter that,
3: what like there were high expectations that Fernando Llorente would be better than Janssen and mm. yet in reality somehow he's managed to be even worse I mean at this stage last season Janssen yeah. had three or four goals I think for Tottenham whereas now Llorente's only got two and he's not he's not even yeah. he's it's not even like he's bringing other people into play right? it's
1: it's possibly forgotten with Llorente as well actually that he um he actually had a, I mean, his f- superb ending to last season kind of colours this, but he actually had quite a slow start at Swansea. And he needed the, the regular football, He needed to adjust. To it. And maybe he's there's no, li-
0: hes never been prolific in the Premier League, right, has he?
1: Really? Other than that spell, yeah.
0: Like, yeah, but it was a short. It was a yeah, short yeah. Spell. He's
1: not like a guy who, over time, has scored
0: a lot, a lot of mm. goals. He, I think, is more of a troublesome guy to play against. He's, he's difficult to play yeah. against because of of what he offers, but he's not necessarily the guy who just bangs in loads mm. for a lower league team.
3: But at the moment, because he's because um, he's playing so rarely, when he does play, he's not re- he's, he's no good. And even yeah. even on Saturday, because he was playing effectively up front on his own and wasn't looking that mobile, and Kane was having to do an awful lot of the kind of selfless running, hmm. going deep for the ball, going into the channels, and it was only really when urente went off in the second half that kane started playing more in his favorite number nine role mm. and looking better so he's almost having like a, a deleterious effect on kane
2: I've, I've actually been surprised at how how badly he's played with kane as well yeah yeah, yeah. The, the whole you, point you would
1: think they would actually su- complement each other
2: yeah but they're actually just running into the same spaces and trying to do the same
0: job i'd rather play someone like son yeah in and around
1: Yurente. Uh, is is that the kind of I know the they brought him on, but the future of the backup striker—it's basically someone that can play, play up there, but also a load of other positions, just so that they can get that regular football and they can step in. Um, and I mean, it's almost—it's the, the one minor negative of having an absolutely dominant, brilliant goal scorer. and it was a problem that Barcelona had when they had the M.S.N. That then you you can't find well, someone good enough to play.
0: That spell when uh, Messi was out in the autumn of uh, 2015, and. Neymar and Suarez scored every single goal during his eight-week absence because Sandro and Munir just could not possibly <laughs> slot into that yeah, front yeah. three. And they, they, you know it must be amazing playing alongside players that good and never scoring a goal. That is difficult <laughs> to do. That's a difficult yeah. thing to do. But I think y- you could have a point in terms of y- you want someone who's not going to be who's not going to be in just one position, which is what a Urente is and what a Jeco yeah. is. Like so, the the thing I, I read the other day, I think it was in the Times, was that there's a feeling because Dzeko was worried he wouldn't get to play enough if he came to Chelsea on top of all the money issues. So um, he'd been told that Morata could move out to the right mm. and Dzeko could play centrally. So you're starting jigging about the team to fit the backup striker in. Would it not be better to sign a, a guy who, yeah, he can play out front, but also is a guy that yeah. you could bring on in a wide position. Maybe if you just want to change the you know, you might not be having much joy down the flank. So you might want someone who can come inside. Yeah. It's just about looking at different things. I think there's also, we're talking about the backup strikers for the top clubs, I guess, at the moment. A lot of the bottom half of the Premier League, as you said, need centre forwards. West Brom looked close to signing Troy Deeney. So do you think there's any way they can use like digny with Salomon Rondon or are they just way too similar?
1: Um, no, you probably could. and I I It comes in well. <laughs> it's tough to play against. Yeah, it, it, it comes down to the manager to figure it out, figure it out as well.
0: Well, yeah. just as well they got Pardiola, because yeah, otherwise yeah. they'd be in big trouble. So as we saw
1: from the weekend, he's...
0: Yeah, well, I didn't actually see West Brom Liverpool. Did anyone see that? That was, I guess, was that the biggest surprise of the weekend, apart from Newport getting a replay? Coventry, MK Dons. Coventry, MK Dons? You're cool. the big Coventry expert, Jack.
3: Um, yeah, I don't know how much of a surprise that was. I mean, MK...
0: They're struggling in League One.
3: Yeah, I mean, co- I don't know how much, how motivated MK Dons were for that game. Uh, obviously, th- I mean, to move completely away from backup strikers, the problem the commentary <laughs> have got is that the better they do in the FA Cup and in League Two, the more that's only going to that's further going to increase Sisu's insane valuation of the club, which is twenty million pounds, which is going to make it harder for them to be sold and saved. Does and the it's also going to validate them for their like vandal- vandalism of the club. Mm. Does
0: the twenty million pounds include the stadium or not? Is that owned the by stadium. the council? They own the stadium, right. They're just tenants. Yeah, there's no way that club's worth
2: 20 minutes. It's one of those that because they're still quite a big name, you don't even kind of register that they're in League Two. I mean, Wigan, I guess, they are another one. Wigan beat beat West Ham, and it it wouldn't doesn't even doesn't feel like a shock, even though of course there's you know yeah like there's, there's a lot of places between them.
1: Well, I, I, I was thinking about this actually on actually when on yesterday when, when Cardiff City was going on in terms of Cardiff have recently been in the Premier League and have beaten sides that were maybe not as good as City, but got some got some good results. When when your history as a club transforms in that way. Um, so, so, say, imagine that Man City were, weren't champions in like in the sixties or in the thirties, and actually their their history exploded, becoming a different entity. How much does it invalidate some of your great days in the past, or or? or what do you mean? Like, so, as in, say, 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 one of the greatest moments in the club history was a famous upset in in nineteen eight. In fact, maybe Bournemouth are a little bit of an example. Given, given, you know, that famous upset over you know, United, United, Rannakins United, and now that are Premier League and they're doing that sort of thing much more regu- much more regularly, and a shock kind of seems well. That was the old club. That it would like,
0: be, be like if Hereford, mm-hmm. you know, who's probably greatest ever moment was in the FA Cup, or even like a Wimbledon, Wimbledon. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah. yeah.
2: Swansea is another example, and Swansea who have uh, actually been quite good at you know preserving their heritage and making sure mm-hmm. their, their, their their legend yeah. looks after. You you do kind of need to to actually make a conscious effort to keep that past alive. Yeah. Otherwise, it just gets swallowed in this whole this whole tornado of everything's great now.
0: Yeah, that's it, true. You know, but it's like where would so where would you rank like? Um, because some of these, uh, I guess, it's but, because but there are so many more games televised, yeah. you remember so many more of these things, like Cristian Ball, where would you rank that in like, your yeah, all-time yeah. Crystal Palace moments?
1: But, but, but say say, if you were kind of so, some club was doing like or Bournemouth even, or, or some, some truly transformed club like that were doing some kind of, one of these lists, the greatest moments in their history, and have like league titles alongside an FA Cup upset when they were a Nothing Club. It does feel a little bit incongruous. Nothing
0: Club might get you in trouble. No, I, I, didn't I, did, I, I didn't mean <laughs> that. I didn't mean that. When they were a When
1: they were a smaller, lower profile. Less resourced club.
0: And yet the
2: emotions
1: are probably yeah. very comparable. Yes, exactly, yeah. That's, w- that, that's the point I'm getting at. Wigan... In a very roundabout no, well, way.
0: You know, and actually, telling to the modern game, it's because the disparity is fairly similar. You know, like a Division One, as it was then mm. in like 1985, Division One team to Division Three team, what's the wage bill comparison? Yeah. Like now compare it to, to a team that's like 18th, 19th in the Premier League against a team who's second or third. Mm. And it's, you know, huge, huge sums. Um, Wigan-West Ham is interesting because uh, West Ham for all their, you know, they've had a recent upturn in form under David Moyes. They made me think, they made me wonder, uh, and I did ask uh, Jack this yesterday, which is the worst run club in the Premier League? Because I think it could be, I think it could be them.
3: Yeah, I'd say that West Ham's performance in the Premier League relative to their revenue is pretty
0: awful. Like the Wa- fa- Wage bill seventh in the league.
3: Yeah, like they spend, you know, they spend a lot of money. They bring in a fair bit of money. And they're, uh, you know, they're staying up by the skin of their teeth this season.
0: Is it, you know, is this a a thing that just structurally the club is not, you know, they get all this money. But the thing is, it's great to have all this money, but you need to have people in place who can spend it wisely where it needs to be spent. They're obviously unloading a huge amount on wages, which traditionally has correlated with league position. And they're grossly underperforming that again. So is this a lack of just structure on the football side of the business.
3: Yeah, it's basically the wrong people making decisions or people making bad decisions. Like I was talking to someone who's done a lot of work at West Ham and he was saying it's amazing what they do spend money on and what they don't spend money on. Like the the way they penny they penny pinch on so many important things around the club and yet they will willingly throw millions away on misguided transfers, which has been the story of the last few years. Like some of their I mean Writing a list, I mean, you can find these online. It's like a list of all the strikers they've signed mm. in the Golden Sullivan era. Incredible. Yeah, some of these, um, like the... the
0: Elan? Elan.
3: Elan actually kept them up that season where he like scored four goals at the end of the season and kept them up. So I, I won't hear anything against Elan <laughs> on this. I was actually on his Wikipedia page the other day looking what he's up to now. What's he at? Uh, I think he's retired. Okay. Last seen at Bastia. <laughs> but... Um, some yeah you're like some i mean zaza yeah. uh he's borriello he's not been excellent in la liga yeah. by the way borriello
0: cayeri i forgot um, about that jesus
1: some of these some of the, like, you actually you would forget about the because a lot
0: of them it? only had six months like benny yeah. mccarthy was there yeah. remember that there was this era where they, they just
2: went and signed a load of Italians for, for no reason. Not, Antonio not- to recreate Di They just went through some gazetta gazetta football Italia VHSs and all that- oh, right.
1: We, we um, won another uh, uh, Di Canio.
0: Diamanti. They had uh, Demba Bar. Was he there? Demba Bar was good there. Pickieon. Jesus. Was Pickieon? Was he was he not in the in the Icelandic era rather than the Solomon Gold era? Victor And a Valencia on loan. I hated Victor Obina. He was boring. Um, Jelovic, was it? It's actually, yeah, but even
1: even the fact that you say that about the Icelandic area, it's one of the maybe it's one of these strange traits that a club has, no matter their current identity. That it's something they all, like as far back as the mid nineties in the Red Nap when he had a, what Marco Bugers, yeah. the other Dutch striker they had at that time. Bor was it? Uh,
0: Pablo Barrera, yeah. twenty ten World Cup signing. God, there are a bunch of these. Uh, Brian Montenegro, Danny, Do you remember Danny? Marco Boriero. Brian
2: Montenegro
1: is not real.
2: Brian yeah,
3: he Monten- is. He is Wellington. <laughs> <Brian Easter>. <laughs> Brian Montenegro sounds like a number that would end up on your phone at Exit
2: Festival.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Miladin Petric, uh, yeah, Ro-
1: Robbie Keane, Medibo Ro- Robbie, Ke- Robbie Keane, yeah, all yeah. oh, the lads. I mean, it's, uh, as well as talking about backup strikers, it's a lot. I mean, it's <laughs> just a lot of players. More than anything, it's just, yeah. a, it's, it's just
2: a lot of players. The other thing is that they just can't shut up. Uh, <laughs> it's you know they they do all these they they talk uh, about They the owners. The, they're the owners. They the owners, yeah, and. Uh, you know quite recently you see them slagging off Rob Snodgrass yeah. saying like oh yeah he was a bad signing he's still your asset Well see they
0: tried to call him back on from loan yeah. right
2: Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass
3: I'd like to also give some shout outs to Tore, Sofiane Ferguli, Morgan Amalfeltano, Edamilson Fernandez, Henrietta Ilunga, Rasvan Ratz, uh, Zuniga,
0: Matt Jarvis, Stuart Downing. Jarvis and Downing quite expensive. Matt Jarvis 10.7 d- million d- pounds. That, that
1: list is basically just yeah, with the, you know, you don't have to make an argument that the Western club is here we go. They're, they're, <laughs> 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 but, but,
0: I mean, like, how many times have they been, like, been relegated in that period? Only once, isn't just it? once. Right.
2: That's yeah. a miracle, actually though, they've only been relegated once mm. in that
0: period. Every it's signing seems to
1: fail. That was under Avram. This is the
2: thing. Gen- I mean, generally for for a side who, but
1: then they shouldn't. West, sorry, just West Ham are big enough that they shouldn't be getting relegated now at this point. Sorry, sorry.
2: no, no, I I I'd, uh, I'd kind of trailed off anyway. Mm. Uh, but yeah, for for a club that badly run, generally they get relegated and you know they sink without trace. It's it's been a, a rare feat of kind of like defying the regular gravity of
0: incompetence that they they've, they've managed to stay afloat for so long. I think you, you can look at some of the teams as well, like we with English Sunderland, and we talked about it on the last podcast, teams that you get relegated and then you get relegated again. Mm. That's happened quite a lot. And with some of those names, you would half expect that to happen because they're not hanging around for the championship. You know, he, as mm. bad as Morgan and Amalfitano was, Amalfitano is not hanging around to go to Burton away. You know, well, he thinks yeah, he's better yeah, yeah. The
3: one good decision they made actually, and probably the decision which saved the club, was getting Sam in. When they were relegated, getting Sam in and also having a core of like good bunch of lads in inverted commas, like Kevin Nolan, Noble, yeah, N- Nolan, Noble, Carol, Tompkins,
2: Tompkins, and uh, they very nearly didn't make it up that season.
3: Right, yeah, they were terrible that year. I went to too many of their games and they were awful. And they, I think they only what they only came up to the playoffs, right? The playoff Blackpool final, yeah, beat
2: Blackpool. And if they hadn't, then I mean, who knows what would have happened? They they kind of mortgaged <laughs> themselves
0: to the hilt in order to to make it that season. Uh, it's a It is one of those things with the playoffs, isn't it? That is a sliding doors thing. Where would West Ham be now if they hadn't won that playoff final? Probably big trouble.
3: Where would Sheffield Wednesday be if they'd beaten Hull City a few years ago? They obviously should have done.
0: Yeah, yeah. David Moyes' Preston should have come up during the playoffs.
1: That thing about even going down is interesting as well. A friend of the podcast, uh, Josh Robinson from the Wall Street Journal, is doing a book on the business history of the Premier League. I think he unearthed some stat about how... um, I think it's a, a, a greater proportion of teams relegated have actually gone down again and kind of uh, and actually if you, I mean, even if as you're saying there about the FA Cup uh, in, in terms of knock upsets the amount of sides actually as you, as you said that are, that are lower than you expect we've got Bradford down there Wigan Covent- if Coventry. you remember
0: when Huddersfield when Huddersfield got promoted this year or well, technically last year mm. it was the f- it meant that over half the teams out of the 92 have now played in yeah, the Premier yeah. League but in League 2 you've got four or five teams that have been in the Premier League. So like your Coventry's yeah, yeah. Portsmouth uh, got promoted. or are they got, Yeah. Oldham, Oldham, Wigan, Squint. Like you know, there's a lot of teams that are far down the, and even teams that have yeah. been there recently. Um, Wigan's fall was probably the most obvious, but that's, you know, one of the things is that you can't just build a club on sand. It, ha- it has shown, I guess, to yeah, an extent, yeah. Portsmouth was an absolute mirage in yeah. many ways. You know, the cl- that club changed hands between some interesting characters. Um, and what you get is, oh, wait, the the carpet gets pulled out from underneath you because mm. they're, now they're owned by the Disney guy, which could be, you know, it could bring them up. But yeah. you have to build it step by step. If you try and do what kind of Wigan did where you throw money at it and then you get relegated and everything I, gets ripped out the center.
1: And there are a lot of kind of quote unquote non-traditional clubs now who are actually... Relative powerhouses in the lower leagues because they've done that because they've got like they've got nice stadiums, nice setups all around. I think well, maybe yeah, Plymouth are an example in this but regard. Plymouth aren't a powerhouse. No but, no, but you know, you know what I mean. Though, that they're a safe of, club. Yeah, 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 yeah. James Brent. Uh,
0: I mean, they got bought out by a property developer, which mm. is always a concerning thing when you know the the stadium was mm. at, and. But Brent's going to make a lot of money. I won't go into Devon politics, but, but he, he's going to make a lot of money. The club are saved and will be fine and stuff. But having that. That, that regular gate income mm. and a bigger gate income is so big in the lower leagues. Like Huddersfield, one of the reasons that obviously they've got a rich owner, benefactor, mm. but they got to share the stadium with the rugby league team. So they've got a big capacity and you can make tickets at a low price and you get more people through the door. Uh, I An interesting it, point that I've heard made about
3: Huddersfield is that a bit like Bournemouth or even to a lesser extent Swansea City, to go up the divisions, it helps to be smaller and more streamlined because there's just kind of yeah, yeah. basically mm-hmm. you've got fewer people having to make decisions, you've got less media pressure, you've got less fan pressure and it's actually easier to, you know, to appoint the right people, mm. make the right decisions and get up into the Premier League compared to, say, to United, mm. Nottingham Forest, yeah, yeah. Derby County, basically teams who are arguably now too big to come up because they're so kind of unwieldy, basically, mm. as operations. Super tankers. <laughs> <Yeah>. super
1: <laughs> clunky. Yeah. Clunky yeah. super yeah, tankers.
2: Clunky super tankers. <laughs> I mean, against that though, Blackpool, who... Uh, you know, were a small team that went up and and could have, if they'd invested the money right and and managed themselves right, been quite a, quite a potent force, but obviously weren't and and weren't. Yeah, obviously Blackpool. Blackpool's
3: interesting because obviously they they have been incredibly badly run, but in a sense they also they were also like a precursor of Bournemouth. In this, they showed like how a small yeah, yeah a, true a small club could do it playing their own. If you play your own kind of attacking football in that way, but you can kind of surprise people that come to you and massively overachieve and get up into the top flight.
0: It's like traditional large companies versus rival, like startups who are competing with them. And they startups usually have like the newer technology, they'll be yeah. doing something that's cutting edge and stuff. Um, but what they are doing is like, you know, they're very uh, nebulous. People have lots of multiple roles and whatever, but they're you're always stretched to the absolute max. Whereas these bigger companies, they almost got more ballast. you know. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they can't move as fast. They're not as agile in the business world, but well, what they are is more secure. And and so these teams can fly up the divisions, but they can also kind of fly straight back down well, again.
1: On the flip side of that, didn't you write around the time, Jack, that um, one reason why, say, in 2016, United, Manchester United were never going to go for Pochettino over Mourinho was because Pochettino was to the, kind of the bright young thing, whereas Mourinho was the, the proven CV, and they were always going to go for, say, the... the Conservative choice, rather than something uh, right, potentially do something a bit different or innovative. They're, they're, they're yeah, too- I think the
3: evidence is that most of these. I mean, Manchester United and Arsenal are probably the best examples of clubs which are so big and so corporate yeah. in their structures and their thinking that, like, that they're going to take conservative d- decisions, like yeah. appointing Mourinho over Pochettino, or like keeping Wenger on indefinitely. It's not because like they're doing that, but bec- that that is like that is. Obviously, a product of
2: of their corporate size. Mm. I mean, how many people have provable experience of managing a club
0: like that? It's it's a handful, if that. And, and a lot of them get kind of besmirched and, and smeared and stuff. I think well, it's well,
1: interesting. Well, there was that story about when, I, like, for the first place a year of Ferguson being an old, I mean, it's even Ferguson. He he would kind of walk. He'd be walking around training and go up to kind of people like Norman Whiteside or Robson. Big club, this big club. Like, which you know, it, it says a lot in itself.
0: Yeah, I, I think. There's also a geography element to some of these things. If you are Bournemouth or Southampton, you might go on a run of like nine games and you might only win one. I, I think Southampton are what winless in twelve or something like that at the moment. Um, I should have researched that before we came on, but they are fundamentally slightly outside the main media glare. Now that's you know that's not the fault of them or the media. It's just that where people are based to cover clubs, they tend to be in patches. So you know you've got a lot of guys based around London. There's a lot of clubs there, Merseyside. Uh, you've got the Manchester patch, you've got the North East, which is obviously a traditionally big one, but Newcastle, Middlesbrough, Sunderland. You've got guys in the Midlands and maybe like Scotland, uh, whatever else. But it means that if you're in a club that doesn't fall in one of those, and I think another one that when they come up is Norwich, you know, mm. there's no one who, becu- no, one ex- except a couple of journalists who are kind of supporters of those clubs. What you get is they don't necessarily get the scrutiny in the hard times, so they, can, they get the patience to come through the hard time. And it means that people like Eddie Howe, who has suffered some pretty poor runs of results. When was the last time you heard about, you know, someone saying Eddie Howe should go? Whereas mm. if that was a West the Ham w- manager in the same exact run of games, yeah. even if it was on the same budget, or a Watford manager on the same budget, there'd be more people writing about it. There's just mm. more talk. And the more talk you have, the more, mm.
2: the
1: more, the more kind mm. of you, speculation. You're also no longer hear though, Eddie Howe for Everton slash Arsenal. That, that's that's true. dissipated.
3: Another interesting theory connected to that, which I think I'm stealing off, maybe one of you two or another friend of ours is that the more the more you get these smaller clubs who are outside certainly the sort of london manchester liverpool areas in the premier league for the first time the more like the happier their fans are just to be there which means that they're willing to that they support the team playing very kind of conservative park the bus football which say the fans of Forest or Leeds United wouldn't be happy to see. Yeah, and that means that you know whether it's Huddersfield or Stoke or whoever, or Burnley perhaps, their fans are willing to willing to get behind very cons- you know conservative style of play, which is actually you know, arguably having a negative effect on the quality of the Premier League. That, mm.
0: that influences clubs as well because that's why Palace tried to hire Frank de Boer, you know, yeah, and, and that nearly sunk them. But really, you know, that that nearly ended five years in the Premier League, and it's one of those. Things where the clubs are aware of what the expectations are, whereas if you are a if you're a, if you're Burnley, you're never going to you know you never what maybe if you're in the league five six seven years you might start trying to change it if if Sean Walsh well, goes. Stoke
2: is is a good example of this where Ah Hughesy yeah they essentially got got tired of of being Stoke and quite successfully transitioned I, I guess yeah you I know, think th- so three consecutive ninth ninth place finishes but now have kind of have almost lost their idea, you know, what our Stoke, what the, Stoke want
1: to be. The Premier League almost overtook them in that way. And it's, it's quite a, a team that has now become the modern um, well, post-2008 uh, to, or when they came up, a Premier League team now. Because that mid-table is just, we discussed it about two weeks ago, the mid-table has been obliterated. So there's no space for teams really to consolidate and kind of try something a bit different now. Because in the minute they have two or three bad results, and oh, we're just too tight, we're in trouble
0: that has been a big storyline in this season because um, we've covered it a few times and it's the mid-table being obliterated and it's now just a kind of a 12-team, as we call it, the fat burg <laughs> that you'd find in the sewer. Um, do we think this is, you know, we, we, this is, oh, this is a, a symptom of the top six, having too much money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do we think this is something that we're going to see continuing? Because, you know, like a couple of years ago, we were saying oh, the mid, you know, mid-table you is nothing because Leicester
1: just won the Premier League. What?
0: How do we see this going forward? Do you think what's the evolution of this situation? See,
1: I was thinking about this, um, it's hard for clubs to break that cycle, basically, once once they get into the, as Jack said, the Sunderland cycle, of kind of just always, um, always essentially fi- always employing kind of back-to-basics firefighters, then the firefighters put in a structure that means they're okay, then they want to progress a bit, the, the kind of back-to-basics guy can't do that the way they expect, they move up, maybe try and get something a bit different, results sufferers, because when you're trying to experiment or innovate, there's and there's no space to do that, so they just keep going into that. So I think it will take brave decisions from owners. But connected to that, and this is maybe a wider thing, is the idea that the Premier League is becoming so massive, and the, the importance of clubs' brands are becoming um, is becoming so much more revel- relevant. You you might see, well, um, every club, I suppose. Is now trying to forge her own identity. It was one of the reasons that Watford went for a higher profile name in kind of Silva, maybe why Southampton sacked Puel. And clubs could start to think along those lines. Well,
2: the question is whether you will get a group of three or four teams breaking off the, the top of the fatberg, as it were, whether it's Everton or, Everton, or Southampton, Leicester or, or West Ham should West be Ham. financially. Yeah, and because, th- because the money coming in to the Premier League is, is only going to stretch out, as it were, you may well get bigger gaps between, say, fourteenth and eighth, than you are at the moment, where it's all still fairly, it's all still fairly equitable.
0: Yeah, I think there's an interesting snippet in uh, in the Times on Saturday that the the big clubs. We knew we knew the big clubs um, are keen to have a slight re- redistribution of the television money because they believe, probably correctly, that they are the reason it brings in a, a lot more money. You know, than people don't want to watch necessarily Watford Southampton. Um, in Thailand. However, you know, the the bottom 14 would argue that what makes it interesting is the competitive nature and the fact that, you know, a game under lights at Goodison Park, you know, you could see United lose 3-0 it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world. If Amazon or Facebook or Netflix or whoever were to buy the streaming rights, they would be able to prove via numbers exactly how popular the top 16s were and use that as evidence to get more money,
2: which you can already. I mean, in, to to an extent. I mean, I mean. yeah,
0: but uh, the, it's more accurate than TV ratings. Essentially, is, yeah. is what they're saying, and you get a global number, which is or potentially global number, which is uh, enormous. So, if they do get more money, they stretch out. As you said, that's a good analogy. Stretching out, that there could be a, a team of. A, a group of four teams southampton watford everton
2: leicester potentially yeah west ham even if they you know the west
0: ham sh- their wage bill should be so then you get these teams at the bottom where the best the best thing you could hope for basically is have a good first half of the season so you know you're going to be safe get 30 points by christmas and then try and win a cup and stay up is yeah. that the, is that's a new reality isn't it which is which
2: is fine you know which, which is kind of how it has been for most of the premier league era
0: yeah it's just i just think it's sad that's all just staying up staying up and trying to win it. i mean I think you should try and go out and win cups and it does frustrate me to see teams that kind of sack off the FA Cup and sack off the league cup completely but we're we're in a weird situation where the teams in that group almost have nothing now you know what you you basically can go and stick eight in defense against man City I
3: think the problem that some of those teams have is they don't. They always have to decide what they're meant to be good at. Are they meant to be good at trying to not get smashed by the big teams, or are they meant to be good at trying to beat the other, the other smaller teams? I think because like the the more that they, the more that teams work on. It's like the bo- it's like when we were discussing Bournemouth the other day. If Bournemouth, Bournemouth gets smashed every time they play a good team, but that attacking football is how they beat the rubbish ones. Mm. And you can't kind of expect them to. It's it's quite difficult to. If expect you get them to the be analy- good at, there must be someone who could do the be analytics be at on both that. sides of the game. Yeah,
2: well, Burnley, uh, who who started the season incredibly well against big size, got a lot of good results at at the big size at the big sides, and have kind of you know they've they've kept it up. Their style of football seems to be you know good in all time zones, as as they say in American politics.
0: What do you think um, with Burnley? Do you do you think that's it was literally just like yeah they had a a good run, and that and they're going to really continue to taper off for the rest of the season?
2: Well, they managed to, they managed to get themselves into sixth or seventh by a pretty small margin in in what was a very tight league. They managed to get a a small competitive advantage for for about two or three months. Now what we're seeing is them pretty much coming back to the pack. It doesn't make them a bad side. It just means that perhaps their, you know, their advantage over the teams below them wasn't quite as as wide as we first thought.
0: The only thing I'll say is I think they, they, there is a little bit of self-awareness in their transfer policy. Um, because they have signed players who provide something a little bit different. Um, is, it, is it Kevin George or George Kevin and GK. GK. George Kevin and uh is a little bit different to anything they've ever had for a number of reasons. But he's like, you know, he can take a player on. He's fast. Like, I, saw, I only saw him on his debut come on as a sub, but he's got a little bit of spark and electricity that they didn't have. In fact, he looked completely out of place because he was the only player trying things. Aaron Lennon? Len I mean Lennon is what he is he's a traditional winger he's direct but that will probably work okay in a in a dice team even though Lennon's not got the the speed that he used to must
2: be, must be quite baffling in training like watching watching Lennon or or Kudu taking somebody or Gaffrey's taking more than two touches I thought you said no 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 it's fine it's fine
0: but it, it's true. I mean, they basically were playing centre midfielders across the the midfield and just kind of doffing it into Barnes and and Volks before so having Nkudu try and beat him out and the thing is what's interesting is then he loses the ball and they all you know they're all kind of what's, yeah, what's three going on have to cover for him. yeah yeah exactly um good talk roughly on the fa cup but broadly speaking not on the fa cup at all uh we just want to have a little preview of deadline day before we go the premier league were kind enough to schedule seven premier league games on wednesday night as well uh, making this week uh 20 premier league games uh the opening weekend of the six nations the super bowl and a whole load more stuff that we have to organize but uh, Wednesday night is the big one. I don't know what we're really expecting beyond the, the kind of stuff w- we talked about earlier. But I will ask you each one transfer you would like to see because that is very different to what you expect to see. And I'll start with you, Johnny, because I'm sure you've got something creative <laughs> uh, lined up. Giroud to Chelsea, last minute gazump.
1: Well, why, why do you want that to happen? That just be just be great
2: banter. It, he'd be a decent backup it, it, there. It works for it works for Chelsea.
0: It works for him it uh, doesn't really work for Arsenal but you know as are kind of uh, getting 40 yards in, pinging that cross over the top and Giroud just nodding it at home it'll be another one for them actually
1: because Arsenal fans really like Giroud and they absolutely hate Chelsea mm. they uh, like
0: him the less he plays when he plays yeah. every week they absolutely despise the guy <laughs> but when he's coming you know I mean how, I don't know how many minutes he's played recently but it feels like I haven't seen him play in a while and now they, they're all like oh we should keep Giroud he's, he's you know he's one of the best backups <laughs> in the league but when he plays every week, they despise him. So it's probably time to make your mind up. Uh, it looks like Arsenal made their mind up though, and it looks like he will go. But the the fees what twenty five, thirty million they want. So yeah, that's a bit a bit rich, or do you think he's worth that?
3: Um, yeah, I mean that is quite a lot of money for a player who's what coming up to thirty two. Yeah, yeah, uh, and also who would only be who would only ever be a backup at Chelsea. Like he's not gonna. I mean, and is it the and is at the very lot at the very bottom of a long list which included Peter Crouch <laughs> a few places above.
0: Ashley Barnes as well right, by yeah, all yeah, accounts. Yeah. That, yeah, Chelsea do look like they're shopping in a, in a peculiar
1: actually, situation. Actually, to be fair to Michi Choi you know you couldn't have a really better response to uh, your manager so openly wanting to replace you. Look, look, here's well, a, doesn't he
0: want to leave though as much, wants, as, as, much regular, as they want to replace him?
1: Yeah, yeah, he wants regular football to find um, a rhythm.
2: Again, the fundamentals haven't changed. The, he, he wasn't very good ironically. Certainly not until he, you know, he scored that first goal and relaxed a bit he, he was awful for the first half hour Dad, and Conte yeah. still doesn't rate him
0: Yeah, yeah Got the winner away at Atletico, Go which was probably one of the better results
1: what, one had the had this season uh, Yeah, yeah
2: <laughs> the t- He
0: scored 10 this season Has he really? He
2: scored
1: 10 Mostly in Cups Mostly in Cups
0: And, and he was thirty million, times million times when they signed yes, him mm. So they signed him for 30 million they're going to get rid of him replace him with another 30 million guy who probably won't play much And the world keeps spinning Yeah Okay, so Giroud, I like it. Giroud to Chelsea, Jacko. Uh my head says Scott Arfield to West Ham
3: United, and my heart says Aiden Jacko back to Man City.
0: <laughs> Is Scott Arfield yeah. not killed by the fact they signed Jal Mario? Uh
3: I don't know. Well apparently David Moyes wants some more British players. No, and, uh, want who's want more British than more British Burnley than Scott Arfield? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, that's not a joke. That's my information that's the, my information.
0: The um <laughs> The, the Portugal Euro 2016 team, was it Rory Smith pointed out yeah. the cursed nature of a lot of those guys <laughs> and <laughs> like Greece Gre- Gre- Gre-
1: Gre- Gre- 2004 with a super attached yeah. gun. <laughs> such, such bad European <laughs> champions.
0: On loan at Swansea, Renato Sanchez. On loan at West Ham, Jal Mario. After a, what, €40 million Euro signing or something Best like that? transfer
3: saga victim, Adrian Silva. Yes. Uh, oh, God, yeah. Six who months else was there?
0: Bruno Bruce. Alves, is not at Rangers. Yeah. Hey there. Where's he? Lille? Yeah. Al Jazeera on loan or something like that. Cedric's doing well. Cedric, yeah, he, Cedric's uh, doing well yeah. He's, he's one of the few in there. Mm. Rui Patricio's still there. Uh, William Carvalho is still there. What happened to Andre Andre? <laughs> is he still at Porto? Miguel, <laughs> the transfer you'd like to see before the end of the window.
1: James McLean to Rangers. Yes, good one, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that
0: would be Spicy, uh,
1: just, just for, not for not for any football reasons, just for everything that would entail. He's it, been I, link,
3: he's been linked to a, uh, a move to Derby County earlier, mm. which prompted one Derby County fan to tweet, "F him. He's absolute definition of a c-t. for what he thinks he stands for alone is not worth him coming to our club. Sewer rat.
1: <laughs> Strong. So." <laughs> <laughs> now, to be fair I should clarify I don't think James would be up for that
0: by the time you hear this I hope most of the words that Jack just said out will be bleeped or at least uh, dumbed down in some way Tom is that possible <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, on, <laughs> and on that bombshell I think we could probably wrap this up uh, Jack thank you for for bringing that into our lives yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for, for your trip to Wales uh, next week hopefully we'll send you somewhere far more exotic Johnny thank you for your time. Thank you for coming in. Um, Miguel, thank you for waking up. Um, I'm more punctual than Johnny.
3: (laughs) Miguel was in 14
0: minutes minutes earlier than Johnny. 14 minutes earlier than Johnny. Still
3: 17 minutes late. Yes.
0: Yeah, it it still was way past the time you're supposed to be here. So, uh, no lollipops for either of you. Uh, I've been Ed Malian. This has been the Only Football Podcast. As always, please review, rate, uh, five stars preferably and comment and let us know how you uh, like the podcast share it tell your friends and we will talk to you next week goodbye
1: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend hi I'm Jesse Crookshank